0: Welcome to our first of a, of a series of new podcasts on Australian employment law. Um, I'm Brian Powles, a director of PCC Employment Lawyers. I'm joined uh, by the other director of the firm, Helen Carter, and our colleague, Solicitor Jacob Reddy. Uh, PCC Employment Lawyers were very proud to last year publish our book, An Employer's Guide to Australian Employment Law. Um, this is the third edition of the book, uh, but the first released in print. Um, that's available on our on our webpage and, and also you can call us if you'd like to order a copy. The book is designed as a practical how-to guide for employers in Australia, um, and we've tried to strip away as much of the legal jargon as we can while still addressing some of the key legal issues and risks in depth. Um, these podcasts are, are going to follow the same idea, but but we intend to sort of supplement the book and, and to, give it, to give us a chance to go into a little bit more detail and to update listeners on on any major changes in the law since the last printing of the book. Um, We decided to kick off this week with an issue that we know many of our clients are confused and concerned about, um, and that's uh, casual employees and and some of the recent changes to the law. Um, We're gonna run through the basic laws around casual employment first, but then also address some of the latest developments in casual employment which is causing confusion and, and outline some of the grey areas in the law that have a few of our clients concerned. Firstly, it's probably best to give a recap of of how the law in Australia treats casuals. Um, And uh, I'll leave it to Jake to to tell us about that. Thanks, Brian. Um, So yeah, part of the
1: uncertainty at the moment um, stems from the fact that the Fair Work Act doesn't actually define what casual employment is and that the definition is left to the common law. Um, and, And at common law as well, the definition isn't necessarily a checklist. Um, It's a a multiple sort of indicia that the court considers. And and at common law, uh, a casual employee is uh, said to have irregular hours. They don't receive paid annual leave or personal leave. They're not entitled to redundancy or notice of termination. Um, And each engagement is treated as a separate period of employment which commences at the beginning of a shift and finishes at the end of each shift. And in recognition of these things, uh, the employee is generally entitled to be given a 25% weighting of their pay. Yeah,
0: and I, I think the other thing to be noted is um, is that those employees that are covered uh, by a modern award or an enterprise agreement, um, the, the 2009 Fair Work system is, is supposed to be harmonious. so. So where an industrial instrument such as an enterprise agreement or a modern award actually defines casual, then that generally is the meaning that applies when we look at the National Employment Standards and other parts of the Act. So, so that's a key thing to, to if we're dealing with award or um, enterprise agreement employees. But then also the Fair Work Act goes a bit further and adds some definitions or creates some statutory concepts around casual employment. That is both the regular and systematic casual Um, which is defined for the purposes of unfair dismissal protection. You know, the idea that a casual is not protected from unfair dismissal, uh, unfortunately, is wrong. Um, Long term casuals are also defined as a separate concept for the purposes of entitlement to parental leave. Um, So even though the casual employee is not employed at common law between each shift, the Act recognises that the employment relationship exists above and beyond that in in a statutory context in certain circumstances um so that's kind of where we're at but it brings us to the three key areas um that i think we've seen a bit of development and movement and there is some gray around one of them is um the introduction of the right to casual to request casual conversion and that's been inserted into all modern awards i think july 2018 maybe um and and uh, we will get helen to talk to that in a second and um but issue number two is, is some recent cases in which people that have been you know, employed as casual has been determined um, in hindsight and retrospect that they are actually permanent employees and, and that's created a, a sort of a, a, a liability towards you know, annual leave and personal leave and there's been some issues on how that's calculated. Um, that's really issue number two. Issue number three is, is if someone does convert from uh, casual to permanent, um, because of course, casual employees are, are not entitled to redundancy. Should the casual service count towards a redundancy, um, for, towards a service for the purposes of of calculating redundancy? So, so that's another uh, really grey area. But I think you know, really, what's get, getting a lot of people alarmed first off from the employer context is this right to casual conversion. So, you know, Helen, you've looked at these clauses extensively. What, what's your take on, on what the obligation is really?
2: Well, I think the important thing to remember for employers who are concerned about the right to casual conversion is that it's not an absolute right to elect by the uh, employee to convert but rather a right to make a request which can then only be refused on reasonable business grounds. So um, the standard casual conversion clause in modern awards Um, sets out that that after 12 months employment as a casual on a regular systematic basis, employees have the right to make a request for conversion to if they've worked on average 38 or more hours full-time permanent employment or if they've worked on average less than 38 hours um, permanent part-time employment. From an employer's perspective, if a request for conversion is made, you've got to consider what you're going to do and what your interests are. In some cases, it may be absolutely no problem to convert, um, have an employee convert to casual. In my practice, I've dealt with many occasions where the employer has been advocating or pushing employees to become permanent part-time or permanent full-time employees so that they have a regular workforce, and they don't have to pay the additional costs associated with loadings, and it's actually the employees that have refused. So at first instance, you have to have an assessment, how do we feel about this occurring? Now in many cases, you won't want your workforce to convert into casual or aspects of it because you need the ability to dial up and dial down the hours. If that is the case, and it's a genuine business need to have that flexibility in relation to the hours worked, you um, have to ensure that you follow the proper processes to consider and then set out in writing the reasons why a casual conversion request will be rejected. The important thing as with, um, it's very similar to what, provide, what uh, applies in relation to requests for flexible work arrangements. The important thing from an employer's perspective is that they don't just ignore the issue but they follow the process and set out in very clear terms why the reasonable business grounds exist that they won't um, agree to somebody converting to permanent part-time or permanent full-time if that's what they feel they need to do. So whilst it's very understandable, it's an issue of fear and um, annoyance from some employers when these clauses are put into modern awards, it is something that can be managed in the way that they're in now um, it's not completely overwhelming. The ACTU proposed clause, when this went to a test case, was very much giving all the rights to the employee in relation to elect whether to be casual or not, and that was not accepted.
0: So, just a, I mean, a question that's going to be a lot of people's minds, Helen, is, you know, obviously if a, if a, if a conversion to um, you know part time or full time is is granted, then then presumably that means that. You know the, the employee will start accruing annual leave, personal leave, but it also means that the twenty five percent loading won't that's apply right. anymore. And so that's, that's going to make a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the requests fall away naturally because that's that's something that some of the employees may not understand.
2: That's right, and it's not always um, contrary to the employer's interests to have someone as permanent part time for that reason, or permanent full or permanent full time if that's as it applies when you need someone to be casual as, as Brian's already noted there's already rights for regular and systematic um, casuals to unfair dismissal provisions so you don't have the right to uh, um, dismiss someone as a casual any more than you do really as a, a permanent or full-time employee the only real benefit for the employer is the need to scale up and down the hours and if that is a genuine need that you have in a business you will be okay with rejecting.
0: But, but also as well, I mean, my, one of the thoughts that, that I had on this is that, you know, let's say you have someone that always does at least 18 hours and sometimes they do up to 25. Um, is there an issue? In a sense, it's really just a, a numbers game. Is there an issue in saying, okay, well, we'll make them permanent on the basis of 18 hours. We'll give them a, a overtime, which is paid at overtime rates between 18 and 25 hours when that's required. And really, it's a case of, okay, is the 25% less, you, you, you don't pay the casual loading, but you just pay the overtime rates. When that's overtime. And which is an
2: option you yeah. consider. As I say, I've had a lot of, um, and far more issues in my practice with uh, employers that have wanted casuals to convert to permanent part-time and, ha- and the casuals have refused because they want the cash in hand um, than the other. I must say, in terms, if, if you have an issue with that, where you might have someone on in a, you know, a, a quite variable business, but um, you've decided that they are, they're a good employee, you want to offer them, they're one of the ones you want to offer regular hours all the time, and they have been working all those hours, and you want them to be permanent, and they're, and they're refusing, um, there's a lot of options that you have then, but at the very least... Make sure that you get a notification of that offer and acknowledgement that it's the casual employee's decision to stay as casual, and the casual acknowledges that for all purposes the twenty five percent loading compensates them for leave, etc. But yeah, yeah,
0: and yep. and where you have that situation where you do have you know a, a small amount of variability, but you know the employee is saying, okay, well yeah, I always do between twenty and twenty five. There's certainly no obligation to guarantee 25 hours to that employee. A- absolutely
2: no. not. And when you, re- if you decide that you prefer to keep them casual and you prefer um, uh, to pay whatever hours it is, rather than follow the option that Brian's outlined of having them as a certain number of hours and then some of it being at um, overtime rates, don't refer in your. Refusal letter to not wanting to pay them overtime. Just refer to the fact that the hours are variable, yeah, and will right. be variable.
0: Yeah. So I, I, I guess really, unless anyone's got anything to add, that takes us to you know grey area number one, <laughs> issue number two, which is which is really an, a, another another scenario. Let's say you, you're out there, you've got some employees that have been casual, for, you know, for a, on a long term basis, uh, and and then they they turn. To the courts, or, or there's a there's some type of breakdown in the relationship, and, and they, they then allege permanence. Now there's been some cases, Jake. What what have you read about about this issue, and what can you tell listeners?
1: Yeah, so the case is uh, from last year, Workpack and Skeen, um, which some people might be familiar with, and some of uh, some of our clients have have mentioned this one by name because they they're sort of quite concerned with what was held. Um, in, in Skeen, uh, a labour hire worker, um, even though he'd been engaged as a casual, it was held that he was entitled to annual leave payments under the National Employment Standards. Um, so the, the facts in Skeen are pretty straightforward and I'll just quickly run through those. Um, he was employed by WorkPAC um, and worked as a dump truck operator for about two years. Uh, And during that time, he worked 12 and a half hour shifts, which were seven days on, seven days off. Um, And I'm pretty sure that um, during that time, I think he might have only had seven days off max. Um, So, I mean, pretty much for the two years, that was the sort of pattern of pattern of work. Um, Mr. Skeen's contract classified him as a casual um, and provided him with a flat hourly rate of $55 an hour. Um, and and it was described in his contract that this um, was said this fifty five dollars an hour was said to include a loading uh, in le- in lieu of um, his leave entitlements. So when um, WorkPack they terminated Mr Skeen's employment, um, they didn't provide him with any payment for the untaken annual leave because from their perspective um, he was a casual employee so he didn't have that entitlement. Uh, Mr Skeen. Uh, then went to um, the Federal Circuit Court and made an application uh, for his unpaid annual leave. So at this stage, for the court to side with Mr Skeen, uh, he had to successfully argue that his regular work pattern and continuity of service over those two years where he only had the the break for those uh, seven days, that meant that he was not a casual employee um, because under... I. Section uh, 86 of the Fair Work Act um, is a relevant section there regarding annual leave, and that said not to apply to casual employees. Um, So on appeal to the full bench of the Federal Court, the Court agreed with Mr Skeen um, that he was in fact not a casual employee and he was therefore entitled to um, annual leave. And, yeah, that's sort of, I guess, what, what... a lot of our clients are saying they're concerned about uh, is is the fact that someone can be engaged for a period of time as as a casual, they can be paid the 25% loading and then because of the sort of pattern of work down the track, they might actually be also entitled to annual leave and the, the uncertainty um, is, yeah, what, it, what has got some people concerned.
2: And it does highlight, I think, Jake, one of the key... Um, Challenges for an employer or at what an employer must be aware of at all times in relation to employment law and that is that common law will apply um, to situations regardless of the labels people put on it or the statute. If someone is a full-time employee at common law and as Jake mentioned earlier in the podcast that involves um, among other things having irregular hours um, to be a genuine casual employee if you are at common law not a casual employee you're actually held to be a permanent employee it really doesn't matter what has been set down in the legislation so
1: it's the classic substance over form that the court's going to look at that you can't, you can't change um, whether someone's a, a casual or not by simply labelling them as that sort of as Helen mentioned earlier
2: And and that's why from an employer perspective, you often have to take into account, um, considering the fact that the common law will impose a substance over form test. Also, the fact that you're not getting any benefits in terms of unfair dismissal with your regular and systematic casuals, you have to look at yourself. Well, my suggestion would be look at yourself as a business and say, why is this person a casual? Because in many cases, there's no genuine benefit to the business. It's just risk. Where there is benefit, and I absolutely think that there's huge sections of the community where, huge sections of the workforce where they need to be casuals, is when the hours are regular, when you're in hospitality, when you're in retail, when they're going up and down, etc. But if they're doing the same thing every week for long periods of time, it's probably not in the benefit of the employer to label it casual. Yeah, and even, even
0: those workforces where you've got a significant variability, the Often the most effective way is, is, is to have a, a full time and part time core, and have your very variability provided by by some casuals as well. Um, but but certainly that that common law that, that that issue of the common law and and really what what is concerning a lot of people is really that it's a, it's, a, it's a way of the employees really in this in this category a sort of double dipping. That's what the you know yep. the coalition have been calling it in the sense that they they're getting they're getting payment along the way in lieu of leave and then they're getting leave on top of that and, and certainly fact, if I was a full-time uh, colleague of of mr. skeen earning 41 or 42 dollars an hour and just getting annual leave I'd be kind of a little annoyed and in, yeah, fact, def- definitely.
2: And in fact one of the, the, the it's not just double dipping but to, to triple the pain and this is the same that happens if you have a contractor, uh, as there have been a lot of cases of people who are held not to be contractors but actually to be employees, the annual leave payment is calculated including the loading. Yeah, it's So it's dipping. on everything. Exponential know. dipping. Exponential <laughs> dipping.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. it'll be interesting to see where this area of law goes because uh, last week um, the Attorney-General, Christian Porter, who's also the Minister for Industrial Relations, he announced that um, the, the government will be conducting a review into... Um, the industrial relations law and that he specifically mentioned um, the definition of casual employee so um, sort of in the next year or so potentially we might have a, a, a statutory test for casual employee rather than leaving it to the common law but of course we'll, we'll have to see where that goes yeah
0: because they also um they also were talking about you know creating a regulation trying to slip through a regulation um prior to the election uh, around that, and uh, at least allowing an offset in those circumstances where, yeah. where the loading could, could be offset against it.
1: Yeah, so that was at the end of last year when Kelly O'Dwyer was um, the um, Minister for Industrial Relations. But, yeah, sort of as you've said, Brian, it was um, essentially for someone like Mr Skeen who has been paid that loading, um, and if if the employer was then um, sort of deemed to, to owe... An, an amount for annual leave, they could offset that um, sort of yeah. by reference to, to what has already been paid. Um, that, that hasn't been tested yet um, no. and, and I know that sort of some people are questioning how effective the regulation will be but of course um, a bit more certainty sort of maybe in the, the legislation the whole purpose yeah, they... of the review would, would be more effective rather than sort of having to rely on a re- regulation when you've you've been stumped up with a court... Um, court order
0: to pay compensation. Yeah. And they only did it as a regulation because they couldn't get it through the Senate. Yeah. So. Yeah, well there, but, there is there is that there's aspect also as well. My argument which would be that I that, that I really think if the definition in the in the modern award is complied with then my view is that that's that's the definition that should apply to the National Employment Standards. But as you say, the interaction between the common law and you know, my arguments are often not accepted. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I think that obviously the difficulty with that is that the, in, in the
1: modern awards, the, the differing definitions of, of casual employee...
0: Yeah, but, the, but if it applies to that employee, then that's the definition that should, should apply in respect to the National Employment Standards. So the National Employment Standards could mean something different for someone if they're working in the Hospitality Award as it does for someone.
1: But I think I can, I can see why they'd be pretty keen to avoid... The, I mean, the whole idea, I suppose, of the National Employment Standards being that this is the, the 10 sort of minimum entitlements for all employees in yep. Australia. If, if that somehow meant one thing for one employee, one thing for another, you can see why they'd sort of potentially be keen to avoid oh, that situation. absolutely,
0: but at the same time, it's supposed to be a harmonious... System, so yeah, you know, so you, I mean, you've there's got, clearly some tension. Really, there. the issue is you've got a word, the word being casual, that's used a thousand times through the act, which isn't defined by the act, yeah.
2: And then, I mean, again, with um, the ACTU and Sally McManus's strong push, including during the election, equating the use of casual employees um, with having no security of employment, um, which I would argue is false given that. Um, there's unfair dismissal protections
0: um parentally there's two different definitions um, just for those things yeah
2: yeah, i I would argue is false but then comes to perhaps the only outstanding issue um which i think brian is going to discuss the only really outstanding issue where you might say at the moment arguably there's more security for your full-time and part-time employees and that becomes redundancy. redundancy
0: which brings us to that next point and that's that's the one that ties in with these that creates a lot of you know concern. Is is okay? Well, you've got casual employees, and if and they're not entitled to redundancy, you know, in circumstances where there's no work for them because the employer decides they no longer wish that role to be done by anyone. Like a casual is not entitled to redundancy. Now, the real key issue is if they if they exercise uh, the right to request casual conversion, they're converted to a permanent employee. Let's say they do five years as a as a casual and then one year as a permanent, and then they're made redundant, should the five years count towards the redundancy, and that is a real grey area, and it comes down to the fact that that service, which I think is defined in section 22 um, of the Act, again is silent on whether it should include casual or not. Now, there's been some cases in the Federal Circuit Court and the Federal Court where it's held to have been counted um, as service. Uh, there there were some full bench of the Fair Work Commission cases where that was the case, but the current full bench of the Fair Work Commission um, standard is that it, it, that it shouldn't be counted um, towards service. Now, of course, the Federal Court, you know, is is a binding precedent. Um, that the full bench of the Fair Work Commission is is only is only persuasive, but but a lot of people in in our field can would say that the, the full bench of the Fair Work Commissioner as a specialist tribunal on this subject should should really know better but it's it's going to be very difficult but it does create the very odd situation where let's say you have a workforce of people that have been casual for a long time you try and do the right thing by being proactive but but the the potential redundant redundancy liability becomes a major disincentive what?
2: I would not be surprised myself if the matter went to a, a proper consideration by, for example, a full bench of the full court, of the federal court, that it was rejected. Yeah. Uh, if you read um, the dissent of Cambridge yeah. in uh, the Fairwick Commission decision, which first raised this possibility, it, it's, I mean, Commissioner Cambridge is a very balanced and uh, experienced and sensible commissioner, but he sets out legally that absurdity i think in a compelling yeah. way the absurdity of counting casual service for the purposes of redundancy because, i mean
1: it obviously ties back into the already received in a way the the 25% casual loading is is go- going towards sort of consideration of if they were to be terminated or made redundant then they're not entitled to that payment. It's,
2: it's ab- absolutely in, in terms of substance, but even just in terms of form and how the whole Fair Work yeah. Act works and the definition of service in Section 22, the number of instances where if you really think service includes casual service, it would throw huge amounts of the Act into a... In my opinion, yeah. into it's a... The better, a ludicrous. It's
0: the better legal view, but, 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 but as as usual in industrial relations, I think where there is a grey area... Um, the, the lower courts, you know, the single judges or, or, or the, the inferior courts tend to have a, a, a habit of, of just playing, playing safe in terms of giving it to the employee, especially when you're talking about a, a negligible amount. But when you're talking about a, a large workforce that has been a long-term casual workforce, you, you, you could be really talking about major liabilities for employers, um, which just creates disincentives for, to try to cr- correct any of these issues or to, to um, grant the, the conversion. Well,
1: employers need certainty. And I mean, if there's, you know, all, all the sort of economic concerns at the moment, all that sort of stuff that, that, that's been um, sort of discussed at length um, in the media, Yeah, there's definitely just a need for for some of these areas that we've mentioned today for for a bit more certainty um, for the the benefit of of not just the employers, but the employees as well.
2: So what can you do, in in conclusion, what does this mean for employers? And I know we've raised a lot of questions and and perhaps not provided as many clear answers as we could because of the the level of uncertainty, but there are some real takeaways. And um, I would say one of them is assess your workforce, regularly in terms of casual versus permanent part-time full-time and decide crunching the numbers in terms of the limited amount of overtime for part-time employees etc what is the best way forward for you on a financial basis and what is the substance of the arrangements Um, and don't be afraid to push to change employees from casual to permanent part-time or full-time if they are that don't avoid issues Um, don't just allow uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Skeen situation to arise where someone is just doing full time hours for casual rate plus loading for years on end, it will often end badly. Um, so don't do try to bring that situation to a head. Um, even the risk of converting them and then the past service being um, service for the purposes of redundancy is not as much of a worry as something like an annual leave or long service leave. Uh, claim um
0: yes yeah, so can you what you're really saying is be proactive and convert now be proactive
2: and, and convert now now um ca- long annual leave is not accrued for casual employees but what you could remember about annual leave is you pay it out always redundancy is a contingent entitlement in many of these cases the person is never going to be made redundant and whilst it's it's an area for concern, it's not nearly as much of a concern as having someone who is in fact full time um, working as a casual
1: continues to be paid that twenty five percent. Twenty five and you get the double dipping down the
0: track. But but also the the the, the actual process of converting a long term casual into a permanent employee a year down the track, you've got strong evidence that they were casual first and then permanent. Exactly. Employees. Whereas if you just leave it. You know, you bury the head in the sand, and then then the risk just increases. Well, the only
2: reason you could not do it, the only current, the only reason for not doing it now, uh, for the employer's sake, would be, oh, well, what if this um, undecided area of law in terms of redundancy um, falls in favour of uh, counting casual service, and they're now permanent, um, but. that w- will that be a whole lot of liability I haven't allowed for, it, I wouldn't have had if I'd made them permanent? Well, I would say on that is, one, a lot less risk than the annual leave thing, yeah. and two, um, if they're really in substance full-time anyway, you've got a good chance that if it's challenged, they'll be found to be for the whole period. So you've actually got a yeah. better chance if you convert them and then set up the paperwork in such a way that it's clear that it's only, say, two years service or whatever, yeah. and, then, and then trust in the legislation third issue if a request is made and you really um, do need them to have variable hours which many businesses do don't ignore it make sure you write a very careful response which sets out the reasonable business grounds yeah, yeah it absolutely. can be sometimes something you need to get it like flex work requests that you need to get advice on um, or you know, from an experienced HR practitioner at the very least, because they need to be done carefully. And if it appears in any way to have not been genuinely considered, you could get yourself into trouble. Even if you do have reasonable business grounds.
0: Yeah, really. So to sum it up in in really one one sentence, so, you know, a lot of clients are saying, "Is this a crisis? Is this a crisis?" You know, with with casual employment, and really, it's not. It's it, it, there's no there's no immediate problem but I think it's it's fair to say that gone are the days where you could simply choose to employ casuals to make your life easier mm. that's just not you know that, that's not the case anymore. and I mean the myth the myth that
1: if someone's a casual you can I mean sort of as we've mentioned earlier in the podcast that you can just dismiss them there was a, a case yeah. only yesterday or a few days ago um that was published from the Fair Work Commission where someone Acted on sort of that assumption, and the the commissioner was quite scathing that yep. um, you can't just you can't just sack an, a casual employee for no. no reason. No, and
0: really the the casualty, the the idea of casual employees being a little bit more expensive and lower risk, that's it. Yeah,
2: in my in my view, in most cases they're just more expensive. <laughs> so, like to conclude, thank you. This has been our first podcast. We will be doing them every um, two weeks, and we look forward to you joining us.
0: Thanks. 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 See ya. <laughs>